Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. It's so cool to see how many of you have tried Liquid IV because of this podcast. You know that if I'm up here podcasting or doing anything throughout the day, I'm trying to drink as much water as I can because I just feel better when I'm hydrated. Except sometimes water is pretty darn boring. And what I do is I add Liquid IV and I swear to you, I look forward to it every single day. Not only do they have amazing flavors, but they have a brand new product that I know you guys are going to love. They just launched their newest line, the Energy Multiplier. So this is super exciting because there are so many times in the afternoon that I want to go grab that cup of coffee, but I know I just need more water. So it has roughly 100 milligrams of clean cat 
caffeine. And it's the perfect coffee replacement. It's an all-natural alternative to the processed energy drinks that a ton of people are drinking. And it has a sustained energy boost that you're going to feel throughout the day. So it has a premium matcha and green energy blend that tastes delicious and it provides a lasting energy boost throughout the day. So it's going to give you that feeling of one to two cups of coffee, but without the crash. What I love the most, Liquid IV. It has a a cellular transport technology and it delivers an optimal ratio of nutrients for more efficient uptake. That means enhanced rapid absorption into the bloodstream and it gives you a lasting energy boost fast. It also has clean ingredients, which is super important to me, non-GMO, vegan, and gluten-free, dairy, and soy-free. And super convenient packaging. So right now I'm traveling. I'm traveling through the mountains, which is super dehydrating. And you know that Chris and I are drinking liquid IV to make sure that we stay hydrated and feel good while we're traveling. Not only that, they're on a mission to change the world. They've donated 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. So Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code HAPPY at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code HAPPY at liquidiv.com. So go try it out now. Start fueling your adventures today at liquidiv.com, promo code HAPPY. If this is like the truth, like I need to go full force at this. Like Mm -hmm. I only have one shot. And I decided to quit my job that day. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Thanks for tuning into the show again. My guest today is somebody that I've had so much fun getting to know. I've gotten to hang out with her quite a few times uh, since this last year. And truly, she just feels like that girlfriend who is hilarious, who you can't wait to hang out with again because you always just have so much fun. So you guys, my guest today is Sarah Merrill. She's the comedy writer and creator of Big Kid Problems. It's a wildly popular Instagram account turned blog and podcast all about the daily struggles of growing up and navigating through the adult world, which I can tell you, I still feel like I'm navigating every day and relate so much to this Instagram page. It's not even even funny. So not just that, she is relaunching her podcast again. She's here for another season and you guys are going to love it. She talks about anything from tiny apartments to living on her tinier paychecks, dating, and she uses a mixture of rye wit, pop culture references, and relatable experiences to connect to her audience and help them navigate. So whether you're 22 or 62, there is no use in fighting it. We all have 
big kid problems. You guys, through her social media fame, she's appeared three times on the Emmy Award-winning Steve Harvey Show and spoken at various conferences and universities about growing a business through social media. A collection of her original jokes were published by Andrew McNeil in 2020. So let's get started. And you guys are going to love her. Here we go. Sarah, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Oh my gosh. The honor is all mine. <laughs> I am so pumped to be here. Huge oh, fan. Oh my. Well, okay. Um, thank you. Uh, so I got to be on your epic show, which was so much fun. You came to the house. I don't, how long ago was that? It was before the world fell apart. So yeah. it feels really long ago, but I think it might've been February of 2020. 2020. Yeah. Wow. No, of 20. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was right before like the world went to shit. I've decided to let go of what year it is. I don't really know. I'm just, I'm not acknowledging it anymore. So I'm okay. on board. <laughs> I'm like, I don't age this year. Like I'm not, it's including not we it. don't clown, we clown it. We don't, <laughs> we don't count it. Like yeah. it's just, it's not happening. So, yeah. okay. So your podcast is Big Kid Problems. Yes. Okay. Tell me all about it. <gasps> okay. So Big Kid Problems is basically, it, it's based off of the social media account I started when I was, oh God, 22 years old, getting ready to graduate college. Um, I started a funny Twitter account, just all okay. about not wanting to grow up, about being afraid to enter the adult world. And yes. um, yeah, <laughs> I feel that. Right. I still feel that. I know. That's what's funny is I started at 22 and I'm yeah. like, almost 32. And I'm like, yeah, still checks out my dad. My dad, who's like 62 is like, yeah, I have big kid problems. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the whole, the whole thing. Um, but I started it on, on social, on Twitter, moved it over to Instagram and it's, it's just really funny. It's all, you know, like little jokes and, and about, you know, the adult world. And the idea of the podcast was really to take it a step further. Cause I, I, I make fun of like all the little things that happen in your adult life, like whether it's like getting dumped or getting fired or what have you. And the podcast was really, um, I wanted to take it a step further and bring in experts, bring in cool people like you (laughs) and to talk about like their experience with big kid problems and like helping people navigate those transitions. Oh my God. And it's, it's crazy because it never goes away. Like I am once again in another place where I'm pivoting and I'm just like, am I, I, I feel like a kid. Like, am I the person who can handle these things? Like if I'm being completely transparent, I think we all feel that way. I think some people are just better at covering it up, which actually I think makes you feel like you're in a prison and you can't make mistakes. Um, but that never, ever goes away. Like I so relate to your 62 year old dad right now. <laughs> I know that's the whole thing. And like, don't you remember being a kid and looking at like a 20 year old and being like, wow, that's an adult. Oh, I thought they were. I remember when I was like 13 years old looking at this girl who was 25 and I'm like, oh, I don't ever want to be that age. I was so old. (laughs) Then I see a 25 year old now and I'm like, wow, you little baby. Oh my God. I'm seriously like, I, how do we let these kids move out of the house so young? Like, it just seems scary out there. Like, (laughs) don't you want to stay in the basement longer? Like, I don't get it. But yeah, it's, it is crazy. And it's also, I know that you have like a super unconventional story, which I think so many people do, but I think it's so important to hear it because I don't think that you just like move out of the house or turn 20 and figure out your purpose. Like I didn't even start to get the tip of the iceberg until I was probably 31. Like (laughs) I didn't even understand what I was actually going to be doing. I kind of started getting into it, but what I learned later is that was more of just the foundation that was being poured for what I was going to do later. So tell me about, it sounds like 10 years you've had 
you know, kind of this platform and then it's morphed and it's turned into so many other things. But what even what even started it? Because it's like I I love you because you're like very ballsy and you just talk about what is actually truth. Yeah. And that probably took some work to get there too, because what people don't know is I think you have to be like really brave and very smart to be really funny. So <laughs> and you're freaking hilarious. So Thank what you. I need to know, how did you get to this place of building this platform? Were you supposed to be quote unquote, like doing something else? Did you think you were supposed to be doing something else? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. That's like the whole, the whole thing um, is that I, I, and I think a lot of us go through this, especially in our early twenties and, and and beyond, is that we think that we're supposed to be doing things a certain way. Yeah. Or you know, you. I remember going into college when I was eighteen and having to pick a major, and it's mm. like, hey, pick the track for the rest of your life. Oh my God. You know, and I'm so like, scary. how do people do this? I don't know. I don't know either. And then so you, you make a guess. My guess was way off. <laughs> what was it? My guess was um, political science. Oh, well, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. a little different than what you're doing. A little different. I, the truth is I saw Legally Blonde like one too many times. And I was like, I'm going to go to law school. <laughs> people uh, who know me are us, like, yeah. yeah, people who know me are like, you're the most illogical person ever. Like that was a terrible, terrible choice. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was kind of the whole, the whole genesis of this is, um, by the time I started this account, I, you know, was getting ready to graduate college. Mm -hmm. And I had spent those four years really kind of like floundering, not knowing, you know, not really sure if the path I had chosen was the right one. Um, not really sure what I was going to do. And I got to my senior year, I was supposed to be studying for my LSAT to go to law school. And I was like, I don't even fucking want to do this. Mm. So I decided to go to, um, I went to actually my junior year of college, went to New York city just to take an internship because my friends were all doing it. Yeah. And I had <laughs> the best time ever. And I was like, screw law school. I'm moving yeah. to New York the second I can. Um, so as I was getting ready to graduate, I was, you know, sitting in the basement of my sorority house, um, you know, studying for finals, really procrastinating from finals Yeah, and, you know, loved Twitter at the time, loved, I, you know, used to listen or watch, uh, white girl problems. Did you ever follow them on Twitter? I think I follow them now. Yeah. 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 These started on, these started on Twitter. Um, but just some of these, some of these accounts that were just like really sassy, really funny. Yeah. And, um, I was like, I could do this. I can make jokes. <laughs> um, so that's really like how I, I got into it. I just started, I was like, let me make jokes, but I'm going to do it for my age demo. Like I'm going to do yes. it for people who are getting ready to, um, join the adult world and like, don't know what the hell they're getting into. Mm-hmm. So that was like the whole, the whole thing. And really like my, my career path, I, I, I was so confused. Like I left college. I went into, I jumped into PR because, you know, mm. like I said, I got like a random internship in New York. I started going down that path. I was really unhappy. was like not making any money. I was yeah. working crazy hours and, and the work I was doing was really unfulfilling. Uh. I was like pitching uh, uh, editors, like to, you know, put a Kardashian bag in a magazine. And like when got they it. didn't, I would be crying, you know, and I, <laughs> I, I actually, like, the reason I left PR is because an editor, um, like that had told me they were going to put in a bag placement. Yeah. Didn't. And that magazine came out and I saw that my bag wasn't in there and I was in hysterics. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that was it. But I, I caught myself and I was like, I am crying because a bag is not in a magazine. Like what? Yeah. We've all had that moment. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I am not doing anything purposeful. So I left PR. 
Um, I got into another random career. I, you know, that I fell into and I did that for four years. And, and the whole time I just, I never felt like I fit into what I was trying to do. And I saw other people, I listened to podcasts. I saw that people were doing, you know, things that I thought were better than what I was doing, better than the path I was on. I felt kind of like I was falling behind, which is the worst feeling. Oh my God. And I think now just with all the pressure of everything now, like 20 year olds feel like they're behind. I know. honey. Oh, honey. No. 100%. So you felt like you were falling behind. What was the one for four years? I worked. So I went to a recruiting firm when I left PR and I was so burnt out. And I was just, I sat in the chair and was like, put me anywhere. Like Mm. I'll go anywhere. I can do a lot of things. I'm good at, I'm a a Jill of all trades. Like I can do a lot of stuff. I'm not particularly great at anything, (laughs) but I can do a lot of stuff. And um, gets you hired every time, you know? (laughs) So weird that I wasn't like, acing job interviews. I keep it honest. What can I say? Look, I'm really not too great at too many things, but I can do a lot of stuff. I can do a lot. I'm never going to be on time. But when I do get here, I'll be okay at like 80% of the things. God, I love hiring people like that. (laughs) Um, But the recruiting firm is basically like, we like your personality and if we need like somebody in a role here. Um, so I ended up working for a recruiting firm and I ended up doing um, business development for them. So just doing like the sales portion of the yeah. recruiting, uh, which I actually kind of liked. I like, yeah. you know, and I was doing really well in sales. Um, you know, it was a lot of being out of the office, a lot of like doing client entertainments and yeah. and stuff. So I did pretty well. I never thought I would stay in that job. So four years, why did you stay there? Was there, so I'd love to know like the fear of leaving, but also what it, what was the lesson that it gave you for kind of what you do now? Yeah. I mean, the, the reason I stayed there is, and I, and I think this is kind of interesting when a lot of people are, you know, pursuing their passion or trying to do something like a little bit more fulfilling with their work. I came to a, a, a real portion at this juncture in my life where I had big kid problems. I loved doing that, mm-hmm. but I was like this, I don't make enough money doing this. You know, right. this is kind of like still a <laughs> hobby. It's not really a business. Yep. Been there. Yeah. And so I'm like, let me take a job to have a job and have like some security underneath me and I'll get my fulfillment from this creative outlet mm. that I'm working on. So at the time I was like, this is kind of a band-aid I, I thought I would be in the job for six months while I looked for other jobs Yeah, and I got comfortable, you know, I got comfortable. I got, you know, better pay than I was used to. Um, so I just did that. And luckily I had big kid problems as a creative outlet for me, which was key. So I could still like use some of those things in like my brain and and have fun with that while I was kind of grinding away in this sales role that like did not feel like it was what I was meant to be doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Oh, it's so interesting because I think so many people who want to transition think it's going to look like, oh, I'm doing this job and now I'm going like full force into big kid problems. Like that's not so not how it works. Like you were probably finding the voice of that, you know, Twitter account or whatever it was at that time, like while you were doing all of the things and getting the experience about, you know, with getting all of your content yeah. At this at this particular like place. Oh yeah. I had a lot of content at this point because <laughs> yeah, I was like lot. actually having so many big kid problems. But that's a thing I feel um for people who are, you know, maybe not where they want to be career-wise, yeah. it's a thing. I'm like you don't don't be ashamed of maybe not being exactly where you are. I mean, the things that I learned in that job are actually integral to the stuff I do now. I learned yes. a lot about sales. I yes. learned how to look at contracts. I learned at all this stuff that I'm actually really using now. Yep. At the time, I was so ashamed. I was like, I didn't even want to tell my friends I was working at a recruiting firm because it just felt like so outside of what I 
thought I would be doing. Yep. Um, you know, especially coming from like PR and entertainment, which like seemed really glamorous mm-hmm. to go from like, I'm doing sales. You know, I was yeah. just, I was, I was bummed about it. But looking back, I'm like, it was the right move. Uh, and sa- like sales, I think is so underrated because eventually, even if you have a business, you are selling something like you're, you either are learning how to sell yourself or you're selling a product. Like I was in so many different sales positions and I was like, this is like for I don't even know. I just like had this idea of who I thought sales were for, like desperate people or something. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know, but I was one of those people and I was desperate. (laughs) So um, I just had this opinion of what it was, but it has, it taught me everything. And I also think you really need to be in positions you don't like to know that even your dream job or your dream business or dream life is going to have so many things that you do not like. Yeah. And it's, it's just like getting to that place of knowing you're just going to show up no matter what. Okay. So you're four years into this place. I want to know what that moment was of just like, we're moving on. We're going to go do something else. So what was next? Yeah. So I, I mean, I was there and at the, at the same time, you know, simultaneously I'm working there full time, but I'm also big kid problems is kind of taking off. Mm. You know, I went from when I, when I started there, I maybe had like 10,000 followers. And then over the course of that those four years, I went to like 250,000 followers. That's amazing. Yeah. And at the time when I first got there, that is crazy growth. Yeah. It was wild. Uh Especially, I think, I think it was a little bit easier too early Instagram days. It it was, but you still had to have really good content. Yeah. 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 That was the one thing I'm like, I'm definitely going through it. Yeah. So I had a lot of, of relatable content. Yeah. It's like authentic. You're like living and breathing it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was growing that. And when I got to my, my job, nobody knew I was bacon problems. I kept it completely mm. anonymous. I was like, I don't want to get in trouble for the things I'm saying. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then <laughs> like, and I used you yesterday for content. So yeah. literally like I just used what you said yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Like talking so much shit on my coworkers and boss, like all the time. <laughs> um, Yeah, not great, but I... It worked. Yeah, it worked, exactly. But I started seeing, you know, I started seeing other accounts in the space, like starting businesses. Like I looked at Mm. the Fat Jewish and I was like, wow, this guy has his own like rosé line. Yeah. And he's getting paid by all these brands. I was like, huh, maybe if I come out from behind the curtain... Like I could actually really turn this into a business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in that four-year journey, probably like the last two years, I started poking my head out a little bit more. I, I didn't like openly share it with my office. Like, hey yeah. guys, but the word kind of got around. Yeah. Um. So, and then I, I got a couple of like really cool opportunities, you know, as I started to grow and really um, gain a following, I got asked to be on the Steve Harvey show. Oh, that's awesome. Which was really fun. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, what a dream come true. Totally. And I, you know, I had to take off work to fly yeah. to Chicago and do that. So my bosses kind of had like some question marks in their head, like, yeah. okay, are, where are your priorities? Yep. And I got to a point where I knew I wanted to leave eventually and have big kid problems be my full time, but I just didn't know when that was going to be. Yeah. And I didn't Because know- were you trying to match up just so everybody can like kind of uh, like understand for their journey? Were you trying to hit like a monetary thing? Were you not ready to leave because of money? Were you not ready to leave because you were scared? Like what were the things? Yeah. I mean, okay. all the things, financial number one. I yeah. was like, I, I live in New York City. It's, yeah. it's a really expensive place. I have my own apartment. Um, I want to make sure that I can support myself. I need that security. I need that, you know, certainty that I'm going to make my rent every month. Yes. Uh, and so I know, I knew that I needed to make a certain amount and especially, I mean, even to this day and anybody working for themselves can tell you 
it's all, it's not always consistent. Yeah. Especially when you leave the corporate world, it, it's really nice having that paycheck, no matter what you do. Yes, for sure. Coming to you mm-hmm. um, and having your health insurance, all the things. Yeah. So I was really, I was kind of dragging my feet on it and I, and I had some pretty lofty goal. Like I want like, you know, 40,000 in savings yeah. when I leave. Like I want a cushion that I know I can pay my rent for like six months yes. and beyond. Um, but then I was actually, so I was, you know, walking around New York. I had my, my, my headphones in. I was listening to a podcast and my, um, like true, my hero is like Sarah Blakely. Yeah. Same. Love, love <laughs> Sarah. Um, CEO of Spanx. If anyone doesn't know, I'm sure every, everybody who listens to this podcast I th- knows. I think so. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. So if not, you, you let them know. So. Yeah. Um, but I was listening to a podcast with her and she was just talking about how, you know, before she started Spanx, she was 27 selling fax machines. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, something like door to door, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah door to door sales. And like, yep. and then she realized that like her life wasn't a dress rehearsal. Yeah. And like, I just heard those words. I'm like, your life isn't a dress rehearsal. And I was like, I'm kind of treating this like I have other chances. Yeah. And I was like, I have all this momentum. I've just got asked to be on Steve Harvey. Like, I'm like, I could really, I've, if this is like the truth, like, I need to go full force at this. Like, mm-hmm. I only have one shot. Yeah. And I decided to quit my job that day. Oh my God. I love that. I have goosebumps right now. Um, because oftentimes there's so it's so funny because on here I always take two different roads. Like I'll be like, make sure you have X, Y, and Z, you know, don't just go and do the thing. But once in a while there are people who just are either really clear with their gut or they're knowing or they just bet on themselves. And it's like for those people, because I just turned into one of those people, you just you know, and you actually can't go back after that point. Yeah. Like you literally, your body will not let you walk back into wherever you were working anymore. Like you will just put it all on the line. So I think for, for whoever's listening, if you feel like you don't know, then you don't know yet. Like it's just that Mm -hmm. moment of like, oh damn, like you literally know. So I'm sure there were a lot of fears that kind of sink in after that very brave moment of like, I'm not going back. But what was the focus after that? Like, what were you going to do? Yeah. So oh, I had that, I had that, like you said, total moment of clarity, Yep. which is for me, especially at this point in my journey where everything had been so like in the dark, like shot yeah. at the dark, I was like, ah, oh, finally, yeah, I know what to do. Uh, but so my focus was, I was going to take big kid problems full time. Um, after, after I was on the show, I, I started getting reached out to by like agents and stuff like that. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to, um, you know, maybe work with an agent manager and, and start doing like just way more promotions, putting my yeah. face out there. I was going to say, what did focusing look like for you? Like to grow it? What were some of the things that you did? I'm trying to think back in the beginning. Um, one of the big things I did was I just started doing like a lot more brand partnerships and putting okay. myself and doing more stories too, because up until that point, um, which is going to be unique to me, but back at that point, I, I wasn't really like people. And to this day, people will look at my account and not know who runs it because I do a lot of jokes. Like it's all like memes or tweets. And so you don't really see my face. So I started to get like putting more of my story into, into big kid problems. And so people knew I was like leaving my job. People knew I was like, you know, sitting on the floor of my apartment, trying to like figure out how to run my own business and stuff like that. So people started getting like more, um, introduced to me, introduced to my story. And that like, you know, was able to, I was able to kind of leverage that to do a little bit more like brand partnerships and, and, um, more material. Like I was, I, you know, launched my blog at the time. This was like pretty cool. I feel like nobody reads blogs anymore. 
<laughs> yeah, they're they're definitely out there, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, eventually, obviously, got into the podcast. That was like another big thing. I'm yeah. Like, I really want to use the time and and um, get a podcast up and going. Even though that took a little bit longer than I initially thought. Oh yeah. But um, it's funny when I first left my job because I had that you know moment of clarity. I'm like, I'm gonna do this. Yeah. I would love it, you know, whatever. I I remember my first like two days, like first week at home where I was like, okay, I'm working from home. Yeah. I'm gonna make it happen. And I like, <laughs> I literally worked till like 11 a.m. And I was yeah. like, what do I do now? <laughs> I literally wish I could just go back to your first week because it probably looked a lot like my first week. Like you don't know what to do <laughs> if you don't have a plan and it can feel like the worst thing ever. Oh yeah. I was like, what did I just do? Like, holy shit. That's exactly how I felt. Yeah. And then I like stood in front of my refrigerator, like, what can I eat now? Oh my God. You know what I, yeah, a hundred percent. You know what I actually did, which was so what? sad is like, so at, like, you know, 11, 1130, I'm like, well, I uh, don't know what to do with the rest of my day. I'm like, I, I turned on Netflix and I was like, I've never seen Schindler's List. <laughs> Cause like, it's such a long movie. It's so long. So yeah. like on a Tuesday, I yeah. like sat for like three hours and watched Schindler's List. And then I was like, okay, what now? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> education, yeah. but I was just like, okay, I watched it and I was like, um, all right, I need to get organized because uh-huh. I can't continue to do this. So what would you say to somebody who like, they think they're going to work from home or they just started working from home or they're forced to work from home right now. And they're feeling that way. Cause I think that happens a lot. Like you don't realize that like maybe that boss or that structure that you had was actually structure because you need it to get work done or you need a plan or you need projects or whatever that looks like. Um, and I'm not saying you can't get your whole, like maybe you were so, you know, amazing that all your work was done by 11, but I don't think that was it in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with that. Let's go with that story. Uh, no, I mean, it's so funny because I, at the whole, the whole time I was working, I was like, I hate being micromanaged. Yep. You know, I hate people telling me what to do. And then like literally like six months into working for myself, I was like, I will pay a business coach to tell me what to do. That's what's going on right now for me. Yeah. <laughs> tell me what to do. Like Truly. Uh, but one of the best things I did is I I, I had to start getting really organized. Because yes. me and my, na- my natural state is just chaos yeah. at all hours of the day. That used to be me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been like a huge piece of my journey too, is like really... Um, using a lot of tools, a lot of resources that like I, you know, that's why I got into podcasts and stuff like that. And like, you know, reading business books and stuff like that and, and, and watching people who have done it before me. Um, so I just, I took a lot of the tools that I was picking up things like, you know, organizing what my revenue streams were. Mm -hmm. So at the time I was, I, I was doing a lot of different stuff. Um, and kind of just like doing whatever came my way. And so yes. I, I, I sat down and I, I really wrote down, I'm like, what are the, what, how are, what were the things I made money from in the last six months? Yeah. There was like, there's like 10 things, like 10 different categories. Um, and I started to prioritizing, okay, what do I like out of this list? Like, what do I like the most? What am I making the most money on it? And what, what is actually taking me a lot of time? Yeah. So, um, and maybe not, you know, being as, as financially fulfilling as I, as I thought. So I was looking at that list and, you know, I loved doing events. Like I Mm -hmm. loved, I would, you know, some brands would, you know, pay me to go to like a store launch or interview people on the street or do like fun things like that. I love interacting with people. And then I looked at that list and I was like, okay, my merchandise is actually killing me because anytime there's like a customer service issue, it comes to me. I make like pennies on the dollar. Like my margins were really low. So that was able to, for doing that exercise really allowed me to focus my time and, and realize like what I wanted to put more efforts into. 
So that's huge. Yeah. I just want to make sure everybody got that. Like, even if you, you know, maybe looking at what have you made money in, in the last year, if it hasn't been, you know, doing a ton of things in the last month, but that is so smart. Like, I think we forget to take that inventory and it just, your energy is priceless. So if you could put all your energy towards the one thing that's making you the most and you're enjoying the most, that's like the key. Okay. Yeah. So your merchandise was killing you. So you were like, okay, enough of this. Yeah. I was like, I'm just not going to promote this. I'm not yeah. going to put too much energy. I'm not going to create more stuff. Like I already have a bunch of stuff. Um, I also simultaneously, I was, you know, I was trying to network with as many people as I could because yep. now I'm in this new world where, uh, you know, I had, I had been in this corporate job where the people I was networking were very specific to that industry. Yeah. And so I started reaching out to my friends. I let them all know that I was going off on my own. I asked for any introductions, anybody working in social media or the digital space. And I just started taking meetings with people too, which was super helpful. Yes. Um, and I know Lori, like we, we've now met a few times and even when I meet you, I'm like, I'm probing you with questions. Cause I know I'm like, you've done this. I'm all about it. Yeah. Oh my God. I do the same thing. I'm like, <laughs> let's, what do you know? And what do you know? Let's see if we can share some knowledge. It's totally. huge. It's literally every, I, I think it traces back to like every pivotal moment or thing that shifts you or like, just ask every question, even if it sounds stupid and lay it all out on the table. Like I've just had moments where I'm like, oh, I feel so stupid for doing that. And then I'm like, but I wouldn't be where I'm at or I wouldn't have understood this or I wouldn't have made that huge like mistake. So networking is huge. What would you tell people who like aren't natural networkers like to start? To start, I think starting with people you're comfortable with. Mm. So like going out to a friends list, like your close people. Yeah. That, you know, like you and have your best interests at heart. Cause when you're, when you're reaching out to strangers, that's when the fear can set in. Yeah. And I know when I moved to LA, I moved to LA last year and, um, I did the same thing. I reached out to all my friends and said, Hey, I'm moving to LA. If you have any friends, um, or anybody to put me in, in, in contact with. And it was a little uncomfortable for me. Cause I'm, I went from like, totally. you know, meeting people I knew to complete strangers and yeah. I'm taking up their time. And they're like, who's this weird chick, like <laughs> pounding me, you know? Yep. Um, so I think if you're, if you're not natural at it to go to your, your core peeps first. Yeah. Get some practice there. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Like, how do you, at, how do you ask for what you need when you're networking? Like, because you'll go, so you have a meeting and I, I see this a lot actually, cause some people will make meetings with me and I, I'll be halfway through like a lunch or coffee or something. And I'll be like, what do you actually want? Could we just, <laughs> could you just tell me? Cause this is like, <laughs> did you actually just come here to like talk about the almond milk latte? Cause the, I'm actually not interested. Like, yeah. So like, how my do you, time. yeah, like that's what people are like, oh, maybe we'll be friends when I know there's an actual like ask or question or something they want to learn. Like, how do you, do you pre-plan? Do you think about what you want to ask? Do you have an intention when you go in? Yeah, I think the, I set the intention when I'm even asking for the meeting. Yeah. You know, like if I'm reaching out, I, whenever I reach out to a new contact, um, you know, maybe I got a connection through a friend. I tell them, I'm like, Hey, you know, so-and-so mentioned you. I just moved to LA. I let them know like where I'm at. I just moved out here. Uh, my friend, Laura, you know, knows you. And she told me you would be a great person to connect with. Like, I'd love yeah. to, you know grab coffee or now it's like hop on the phone. Yes. Not, which I'm actually kind of here for. I kind of love it. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, oh my God, I can grab co coffee with so many people in a day now. Yeah. Which before it's like one, okay, I'm in LA, I'm meeting Mary and that's all I'm doing for the day. L literally. <laughs> for real. That was something when I moved to LA, I didn't realize. I'm like me asking somebody for coffee is like a huge 
burden. Full day of their life. <laughs> like they'll never get that back. A hundred percent. And see, better be some damn good coffee. Yeah. And you better like come with some real shit. <laughs> but in New York, I didn't realize that because in New York, like you're buzzing around right. all day long and yeah, you can pop in for like 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there. So I guess definitely know like your, know your landscape. hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. People are like, no. I got some people like straight up were like, no, I won't meet you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't realize what you're asking for. You're like, do you want my firstborn as well? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else do you want from me? Literally. So, oh, okay. So be intentional from the beginning. That's been a huge thing for me. I'm so glad you brought that up because you will, your life will move quicker. Your goals will move quicker and the people will appreciate you way more and they'll be more willing to, um, you know, maybe connect you to someone they, that they know if you're not wasting time. So it's kind of like, I'd love to Zoom for this. I have this question, this question, and this question. Then they can be prepared as well. Or they can say, you know what? I don't know anyone in that arena. Let me see if I know anyone, like instead of wasting time. So I've found in business, like just what you're doing, networking and just making sure it's really intentional. It's how you're going to move forward on everything. So, okay. So you were, um, you were networking and you, what came, what came out of like you connecting with all of these different brands and making sure that you were out there? Yeah. Well, I, it actually, it opened the door to so many other things, like things I wouldn't think about. So I had, you know, one friend that I, I met up with for coffee was like, Oh, actually like a company I'm working with needs social media help. Yeah. You've grown up, you've grown a following and you've mm. grown um, a business online. Maybe you can help them with social. So then I started consulting for social media, which was like not on my original list of financial things, but it like paid super well. And, um, yeah. You know, so I started, I just opened my eyes through, through talking to so many different people to all types of different things. And I got connected, you know, for different gigs, um, and all kinds of things. So it was, it was really, really helpful. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So that was, um, that was one big thing. So then I, you know, I had my financial things, I had my, you know, networking that was going on. And then another big piece for me was just like literally organizing the day to day. Yes. I'm like, I need structure because I'm a freaking animal. And if I, I also like when I, when I originally started um, working for myself, I would, you know, wake up and just check my phone. And yeah. like, then I would wind up on an Instagram spiral for like two hours uh -huh. and I'd be like, what, how, what? Why did I just so, do that? I'm relating so hard right now. Yeah. I know. So I had to build in, even though I was up into this point, even in the corporate world, like so against structure, I had to build like a structure that worked for me. Yeah. Or you just, you're, it's so, you watch yourself. You actually become an observer of your crazy. Like you feel like you float above your body and just watch yourself like you're doing it again. Yeah. You're doing this thing where you're doing nothing and you're just filling it with like cleaning your apartment or doing things you think are busy and they're not moving the needle. And I think that's the, that's actually the worst place. I think it feels worse than like when you were back in corporate America or wherever you were, because 100%. you just feel like a psycho who can't manage yourself. Oh yeah. And then it's on your dime, you know, I'm yes. like, it's one thing if I'm procrastinating when I'm working for a corporate job, but I'm like, shit, Sarah, like you need yeah. to get it together. You're like, is this really all you're like amounting to in your life? Is yeah. this really your standard that you're holding yourself to? Like, God, I'm, clearly I've been there before. Like for, unfortunately, mine was for a really long period of time that I kind of floundered for a while. So mm -hmm. I took a little longer than I think most people, but you know, that's great. That's all part of the journey. Yeah. Um, real quick, I just wanted to touch on for social media because I think so many people that's a lot of their businesses and you were helping people with social media for a bit. So I would love to know what were some of the main things that you think you see people doing wrong on social that doesn't, you know, 
Yeah. I mean, oh, there's a, there's a whole, there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, one of the biggest things, like whenever I would go into a brand or something and start like looking at their social media, yeah. like I want to see like, what is your, what is your purpose? Like, mm-hmm. what are you trying to accomplish here? Are you trying to just sell a product? Are you trying to tell a story? Are you trying to connect with a certain audience? Like, yeah. let's figure out exactly like what you want to be doing with your with your page and, um, getting organized too, because, you know, a lot of brands have a combination of those things. Yeah. Um, so it's doing that. It's a lot of the brands I worked with initially, and I don't see this so much anymore, but it would just be like, do you ever remember seeing some of these like terrible corporate Instagram accounts that had like, (laughs) it was like pictures taken from somebody's iPhone and like, Yes. You know, just kind of like blurry out of focus pictures and there's no like aesthetically pleasing element whatsoever. There's no um, rhyme or reason to the feed. For sure. So, (laughs) you know, it's like, did somebody's like 50 year old like receptionist do this Instagram account for you? Because like we need to, we need to redo this whole thing. It's like the owner's like wife or husband who's just like, hey, I'll do your Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. And there's like, no, they don't have an account. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, So that was a big thing. I mean, obviously making it look better, but also taking into an account like what your objectives Mm -hmm. were and telling like the brand story. I mean, that was like a big, a big piece of it too. Yeah. So getting organized sounds like a big theme. Yeah. Like getting clear and getting organized (laughs) has been a big theme in many of the things that you do, which is funny because you're like, I have to get clear and organized and you help people do that, Yeah, which probably really helped you do that in your brand as well. So um, I can't skip the piece just that you told me that you did stand-up comedy in New York. So when did that come? Oh, okay. So this is actually a great story. So um, I got asked, this is back when I got asked to be on the Steve Harvey show. Okay. And I was like, holy shit. This is such a huge opportunity. Yeah. This is amazing. And the only obstacle was the producer that was booking me for the show is like, does Sarah have any TV experience? I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. And they're like, well, you know, the show is filmed in front of a 200 person, you know, live studio audience. Do you have any, you know, experience talking in front of people? Yeah. And I was kind of like, um, I give presentations at work and, and, you know, whatever, but I was like, just pulling everything out of your ass, pulling everything out of my ass. Basically how I got around this is, um, (laughs) my friend who I was working with at the time, she, we, we filmed a video of me like doing like whatever my segment was going to be. And she's like, we just need to show that you're, you know, comfortable in front of a camera, what have you. So we, we shot the video, we sent it in. They're like, this looks great. We're going to book you. But then the realization came over to me that, wait, that whole 200 person like live studio audience piece is going to be real, real. And like, literally I've done presentations in front of like five people, not in front of (laughs) crowds. So I was like, how do I get crowd experience and fast? Yeah. And really, I like, I was like, there's so many open mics. There's Mm. open mics around New York for comedy. And I used to go to comedy shows. I lived in uh, Greenwich Village, New York. There's like a comedy club. Like anytime you like throw a a rock, you're going to hit a comedy club. Yeah. Um, So I used to go to, I used to go to shows. Just, I would be walking down the street and see one open and I would would go in because I just love, obviously I love comedy. Right. Um, So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start signing up for open mics and just get some like random experience. That's scaring me right now. Thinking about (laughs) it. Like I can speak in front of thousands of people, but like, being so raw to the point of like, you're either, they either laugh or they don't. Like when you're speaking, you don't know if they like you. Like there's always resting bitch faces, but there's usually a few nice people nodding. But like comedy, you're failing or not. (laughs) Yeah, it's very clear. Yeah, it's it's clear clear to everyone. Like, oh God, let me tell you from doing open mics um, around (laughs) New York, like 
There's nothing worse than like a bombed, like a bombing a set or like seeing somebody bomb. I actually think it's worse watching somebody it bomb than actually bombing. Because you want to help them. You want to help. And, and like you the can't. whole room is tense and it's just, <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was like, I need to figure out how to be a stand-up like by tomorrow because I signed up for this, oh, you know, my open God. mic. Okay. How long is my podcast? Okay. We're fine. Cause I need to ask about this. So I I'm super obsessed with comedy because I think that it translates into like life, how you speak. I actually will watch comedy shows before I go speak because they are, it's, and you know this, so mm-hmm. I'm just like chatting about it, but they're the most in touch with their audience. And they also like have to be so, um, it's universal truths. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times universal truths now are now there's so many that are, are blurry, like yeah. they're still there and it still feels true. But are we allowed to say certain things and you're pushing kind of like boundaries and you're trying to figure out um, what that connection is going to be? And I don't know. It's a really crazy, not only timing, but connection. Oh, yeah. Connection thing. It is amazing. And, and something I didn't know until actually doing it is I'm like, it is probably 50% the joke of what you're saying. And the yeah. other 50% is the delivery. Yes. Because you can you can also get away with saying shit that might, you know, not necessarily fly, but it's all based off of how you're saying. It, yes. Which totally. is, it is such a craft. It is such an art. And like, you watch some of the best stand-up comedians and it's incredible. Like you watch like Chris Rock, how he just like, Dave Chappelle, like their delivery is just impeccable. Yeah. And you get so much out of like what your, the joke is just based off of how they're saying it and mm-hmm. not necessarily what they're even saying. Yeah. So up until this point, I mean, I had been telling jokes on the internet for, you know, years. I'm like, I have a bunch of jokes. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you just go up with <laughs> meme cards. Literally. I'm like, when your mom yeah, says nerd. this and like, but like nobody gets it. You know, like, right. you're like, huh? Where's my picture? <laughs> slideshow behind you and just thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah. Okay. Literally like, like or not like, but that was one of the things I realized. So I was like, I started, you know, putting some jokes together and I was like, let me just try this out loud in my apartment. I start saying these jokes. I'm like, this isn't fucking funny. Yeah. Like, I don't think this is funny. I know. I'm like, this reading isn't it in a tweet is so different than actually saying it out loud. Yeah. So one of the things I did, and, um, I don't know where I got this idea, but I started doing it a lot is I would, um, I had my jokes and I would record them on my phone. Like yeah. I would just, you know, I wouldn't like put myself on video because that always makes me nervous, but I would just audio record me saying the jokes yeah. over and over and over again, like trying to feel out like the way that I would say it and how like it would just change. And then I would record, I recorded myself, you know, saying a five minute spiel of jokes yeah. and I would just walk around and listen to it over and over and over again. Cause I also had to memorize it. That's another thing. It's not like totally. being on the internet where I can just write the joke and put it up. I'm like, I have to memorize like five minutes worth of shit. Yeah. Ladies, I am literally about to change your life. If you're anything like me, you're probably walking around with a really old ratty bra that fits good but you're just not sure if you want to try to find another brand because you haven't had luck. That's exactly how I felt before I tried Third Love. It uses the measurements of millions of women to design bras with all day comfort and support. They have a perfect fit promise and they stand behind their products. So if you don't love it, you can exchange it and return it. And those exchanges and returns are free for 60 days. So what I did is I went online and I did the fit finder quiz. And within 60 seconds, they found my perfect fit. And I was totally shocked because 
I always thought that I was one size and it told me I was a different size and I went with it and got my bras in the mail and I am literally obsessed. I didn't actually know that I could have a fit like this. So you answer a few simple questions to find your size based on breast size, shape, and fit issues. So there's no substitute for comfort, you guys, especially when it comes to your bra. So really cool things that they do. They have details like memory foam cups, no slip straps, and scratch-free bands. So they also have a give back component, which you know I'm obsessed with. So they donate all of their gently used return bras to women in need, supporting charities in their local San Francisco Bay Area and across the United States. And so far, they've donated over $20 million in bras. You guys, not only are you going to support yourself, you're going to support other women. So Third Love knows they, there's a perfect bra for everyone. Right now, they're offering all of my listeners 10% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash E-Y-H now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash E-Y-H for 10% off today. So I'm literally sitting with you right now in that like fear and pain and excitement and like, what the hell did I do? I, I did spoken word for just like a brief year of my life. And it was like, kind of like that. Like you'd write something down, but it once you would say it out loud, you're like, that sounds so stupid. Or you need to put like some other sort of feeling behind it. Or you need to like try saying it 50 different ways. And I walked around listening to like, myself recorded for a very long time trying to memorize different things. So anyway, different, but similar. Okay. We have so so many similarities in our story. Are we this? Uh, We're the same person just (laughs) in a, yeah, in a different body. Um, But that is, I'm literally sitting with you because I understand like the fear of, okay, so this, and this is how it works. So I want everyone to hear, like, this is how it works. You don't like practice and do all these things. And then you get the Steve, Steve Harvey show somehow, somewhere, because you showed up authentically, you and you were just keeping on with your hustle, you get an opportunity. And what happens is so many people would have said no to that or like, I'm not ready for that. Why would this happen? I don't have this experience. Or, or they would say, do you have TV experience? And I see this all the time. No, I don't. Oh my God, make that shit up. <laughs> yeah. Like I lie my way to get opportunities and then I just figure, figure it, out. it out. And if that sounds too harsh for you, it's the, it's the damn truth. You're like, yeah, I have experience. Okay, it was your family that you were standing in front of, <laughs> but you have experience. And then you created it mm-hmm. to make sure you don't make a complete a-hole of yourself in front of everyone. Okay, so stand up. Like, let's fast forward to the first, like you're going to go do your stand up routine. Are there people in the audience? Like, oh, yeah. are you... So actually what was really cool, <laughs> what was really cool, and I I loved this, and I actually started doing this um, open mic quite a bit in New York is they had a um, an all-female mic night. Okay. And I was like, okay, like my audience is mostly female. My jokes are mostly female-centric. Um, yep. I feel comfortable with my chicks. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, that just made me a lot more comfortable. And so I, I showed up at this open mic. You know, you go downstairs, like a dark-ass room, and, you know, <laughs> one spotlight on the stage. And and um, you you write your name down. You don't really necessarily know when you're going to go up. Right. Like, thank God there was a couple people in front of me so I could watch them. And to be honest, like, the truth of the matter is, is like, I just watched girl after girl bomb. Yeah. <laughs> like, they were so bad. Yeah. Yeah. You were like, okay. I was like, honestly, it made me feel so much better. I was yeah. like, okay, if I had showed up and, like, these girls were, like, crushing it and the room was roaring totally. with laughter. But it really, percent. yeah, it really was, it's a practice. It's, it's yes. how 
comedians practice. So, you know, I watched each person kind of stumble through their set and nothing was perfect. And I was like, oh my God, thank God. I feel so much better. Yeah. So by the time <laughs> it was, my name got called and I got to walk up on stage and, you know, when you're up there, you realize like, you can't really see anybody because like the light's in your eyes. Like I just started like repeating the things that I had already said. And I got like a couple laughs in the beginning and I immediately was like, Ooh, okay, oh okay, we can, <laughs> we can breeze through this. I actually did really well in my first set. And then I can't say the same for like, like the next like eight sets I did. Yeah. They were like <laughs> pretty bad. Yeah. But like, that first beginner's one, luck. <laughs> yeah. That first one I had some confidence. And, and one thing I will say about this whole experience too is, um, which I found to be really, really interesting in my own life is up until that point, like I had been doing comedy online and I always loved stand-up comedy. And I yeah. always thought, you know, maybe, maybe I'm like an amazing stand-up comedian. Right. Like maybe that's my path. Yep. And it wasn't until like me doing it and really going for it and trying it and trying it and trying it. I realized it wasn't necessarily like the road I wanted to go down. Yes. But I would have never known, and I maybe would have always wondered, yep. like, should I do stand-up unless I had tried it and really went for it? million percent. Yeah. And that experience now is probably, like, not only one of the best experiences for, like, wow, I can really do anything. It also just makes for really great dinner stories, which makes you way more interesting <laughs> to random people when you meet them. <laughs> That's, like, why I do 90% of the things. Same. Yeah. Same. I'm like, I'm going to have nothing to talk about if I don't do something new soon. Like, mix this shit up again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's. Oh, what was I going to say about um, the the comedy and um, some, something similar had happened to me with? Oh yeah, I didn't. I I thought I was literally like, oh my god, maybe I'm like this new spoken word <laughs> poet that's just going to knock every like surprise everyone. This white girl who's just going to like crush it. Yeah. And then I did it like a few times on very large stages, and I was like, yeah. That's super not for me. <laughs> yeah. Like definitely loved it. And it pushed my edges more than anything I have ever done in my entire life. Cause it is really raw, right? Like mm -hmm. it's like, you're probably, you're writing things that you're trying to hit people and, and a little bit shock them like that you're being so vulnerable, um, which is comedy. Uh, and I just was like, yeah, you know, don't want to do, that. I'm good not doing that anymore. Like, yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a 100%. lot. So. <laughs> it might have shown you like other things though that you did like about it. You're like, oh, maybe totally. I like being in, speaking in front of people, but maybe not in this yeah. format. Mm -hmm. For me, it was like, I loved writing the jokes. Yeah. Like I loved writing the jokes and I didn't love performing them. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, my medium of choice <laughs> is is what like really what I'm, I should be focusing on is like continuing yep. to write this stuff and not necessarily get too bogged down in the whole performance piece. Yeah. And it, I, I think if it's in you though, like what, if you feel like, oh, I need to do this, I think it's so important to do it. Like mm -hmm. now you check that off your list and you can actually give total focus on something else. Like now you don't watch a Netflix you know, special with a female comedian and you don't sit there and you're like, that could have been me. You know 100%. what I mean? Now you, it's so cool to watch things after that and be like, I can appreciate this actually so much more because so I know exactly what went into a, a set that's an hour long Yeah, to feel all, in all of that like pressure, especially I know that there's just a whole thing with like female comedians and male comedians. Like mm -hmm. if you are performing with male comedians as well, like that's because females are more... I wouldn't say new to the game, right? But it's kind of like, yeah, female comedians are a little less. I think the hard part with female comedy, yeah. and I, I realized this through performing stand-up, um, 
is a lot of the audience is male. Like yeah. I, I, I think that more and more, you know, females are are enjoying comedy and, and doing it more. But I know when I was performing it, I was I was a lot of the times, unless I was at that female open mic, I was performing it in front of a bunch of dudes. Yeah. And I'm like, they're not getting my jokes. Yeah, totally. Um, so it makes it a little bit harder than like say if you have an audience on Instagram who you know, like people are following it because they are coming for your content, but especially when you're starting out as a comedian, like you can't choose your audience. Right. Yeah. So it, um, that was tough. Cause I'm like, I know what I'm saying is funny. And these motherfuckers are laughing. <laughs> it's like, they don't, they can't like identify with having like a heavy yeah. flow, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> They're like, mm, we don't know about that, nor are we sure we want to hear about it. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause it's always, that's speaking too. So I, I feel like anybody listening, like, you know, a lot of my audience listening to this is not male. Like 99% is female. And it's because I'm always sharing from my perspective. Like it's really like I'm using my voice thinking that I'm always talking to a female is like how that's structured. So it's interesting because there is, you know, I've seen, I've seen female comedians and female writers and whatever coaches or whatever that looks like, you really are taking two stances. It's kind of like you're either talking from your position um, to women or in, in comedy, it's like they're talking about what they think the men think about them, mm-hmm. you know, and then the men can relate. But it's kind of like that two roads of like, what kind of comedy are you or what storyline are you putting out, which kind of relates to like content in general, right? Like you really have to think of those things, like who is going to be your audience and what perspective that are they going to relate to the most? So yeah, totally. just another layer of why I love comedy. For sure. Like, comedy and is life. It's the best. And there's so <laughs> many, there's so many good female standups too yep. that I just like absolutely love. Who's your favorite? Crushing it. Um, I think my my all-time is Amy Schumer. Okay. I like that she was like the first female comedy um stand-up person. I, I remember her first special ever that I was like crying, yeah, totally. laughing. <laughs> and I was like, I want that. She made me want to try stand-up. Oh, I love that. Because I was that. like, oh, like her jokes are just like really landing on me. And I'm like, that was like the first person I saw that I was like, oh, maybe I could, maybe I could do this. I love Eliza Schlesinger. I think mm-hmm. is hilarious. Love her. Love Have her. you listened to her book on audio? No. It's like the best experience of my life. I literally was walking around Santa Monica, like bursting out laughing, like pointing at my headphones. Like she's brilliant. Brilliant. And yeah. another person who just, again, is like coming from her experience and like you really feel like a connection yep. to everything she's saying. Love. love. Totally. Totally yeah. love her. Okay. So comedy went into then. What was after that? So, um, oh my gosh. Um, well, I ended up doing the show. I ended up, you know, getting some experience yep. on stage doing Steve Harvey, which was crazy. And like another one of those experiences that was like totally transformative because I had to totally fake it. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So tell me about what that's like. Like, because I think, um, which I, I want to touch on expectations even around, I know that you're a COVID bride, so you're still waiting for that moment <laughs> in the sun. <laughs> but- Let's talk about that because I think that everything that I've ever experienced in my life that I thought was going to be one way, like this thing that was going to be big or that I, you know, whatever, it's a different expectation of what it was. And it is extremely transformative. But sometimes people think of that as like, it was terrible or it wasn't what I expected, but it's exactly what you needed. So tell me what your expectation was and then what actually you had to show up and be nimble and do. Yeah. So, um, my expectation, I don't know if I even, my expectation was just, I'm like, you're going to get through this alive. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's like, a that's good like, expectation, that's actually. like literally the only thing I could think you of. You can't fail at that <laughs> unless something in the studio goes terribly wrong. <laughs> I know, but I was like, I really like, we're rolling the dice here. Like, yeah. I don't know how this is going to be. I've never done live television before. Yeah. Um, so I remember, you know, flying to Chicago, like they picked me up in a car with my name on it. And I was like, holy shit, yeah. <laughs> this is real. You know, we go to, we walk into like NBC studios, which is like beautiful. They walk you to like the back room and I have my own green room. Yeah. The whole time I'm like, I shouldn't be here. I'm like, <laughs> somebody made a huge mistake. Like they think I'm this person. I'm not like, yeah. you know, and I, the whole time I was having these internal thoughts and I kept just saying to myself, I'm like, yeah, we can fucking think this, but on the outside, I'm going to smile. I'm going to look so calm. I'm going to yeah. look like somebody who I would look at and be like, that girl looks like she's supposed to be here. So the whole <laughs> time I was just, I was like, I made up that character of somebody who I thought was supposed to be going on the Steve Harvey show. And I was like, yeah. I'm just going to act like her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's literally what I did on the outside. And I was like super friendly with the producers I was meeting and, you know, everyone backstage. I was just like kind of joking around and being friendly with them. And the whole time I'm like, who the f- who are you? <laughs> um, but I totally, I faked it. You know, yeah. I faked the whole thing. I did, it didn't feel, it didn't feel natural to me one bit, but I just, you know, had to put on that smiling, you know, calm face and, and I was doing pretty good until I got on the stage and then like Steve Harvey comes out mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're in, you're in front of 200 Wait, I didn't people. know you were going to be here. <laughs> yeah. But like, he's such a legend and such yeah. like a, you know, like incredible entertainer. And, and, you know, he walks out and you're in front of 200 people and they, there's cameras and there's lights and somebody's literally counting down. Okay. Like 15 seconds, you know, 10 seconds, you know, nine, ah! And I'm literally, I just feel all the color and like my saliva is gone. Like I, have, <laughs> I have zero saliva. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I have to start saying words. And I'm like literally trying to like in, in my mouth, try to like form like <laughs> form saliva in my mouth so I can speak. Yes, totally. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was crazy. And like, you know, he introduces me and I have the teleprompter there. And I literally was probably a deer in headlights mm. for a couple of seconds. And then I just was like, okay, you have to, you have to read. You have to just use, read and just, you know, keep that smiling face on. Yeah. And, and I started speaking and um, I honestly was like blacked out for like- Was everything on a teleprompter? So was like it planned or did you, were yeah. you telling jokes on here or my what was segment, the point of your segment? My segment was planned. It was actually like a social media 101 because okay. like Steve's audience is like a little bit older and they're not super familiar with- um, Okay. With, on, with, social. And actually I ended up being on the show three times. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It was really so You must've done okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that was the whole thing. I was like, even in my head, I thought I did such a bad job and yeah. I went back and watched it and I was like, okay. Like I, I looked like I knew what I was doing. That was the whole goal. <laughs> um, so it was a really, it was a great experience for me. And, yeah. and like, I also am somebody who's pretty hard on myself. So it was just like, you know, being calm and, and faking it till you make it. Yeah, you know, really kind of, I was like, these are tools that now I've put to the test and I will take with me wherever I go from here. Yeah. And it, it, I can't tell you how many times I've felt that way. Like that exact description was is pre- pretty 110% accurate of what it feels like. Like I, I think just even booking the thing or getting there is just like the very beginning. Mm-hmm. There is a mental thing that goes on from the weeks leading up to that date that are where I think people sab- sabotage themselves out of it. Like you have to just like lie to yourself is what it feels like <laughs> the whole time and be like, you're going to be fine. 
Like, it's not even like you're going to be great and nail this. I think that's where I like, that's where I've gone wrong in certain things is trying to set an expectation of something Mm. big that I've never done before. Like, you're going to be great. You're going to win this or you're going to do that. And it's like, just live through the first one. Yeah. Just like you said, it couldn't be more accurate. Like, just make it through and don't totally lose your shit. Like, yeah. Because there are moments like, I don't know about you, when I get so nervous, sometimes I want to cry or run. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, it's it's an actual feeling where crying would feel very relieving and running would be like, like heaven. Like, you're like, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. Can you imagine if Steve Harvey was like, and now Sarah Merrill, and I just cried and like, ran <laughs> off the stage. I mean, it's... It's probably happened before. <laughs> they probably have like a backup Sarah. <laughs> they for sure do that. They, they push to- out on stage <laughs> yeah. and they're just like, thank God we had a backup. <laughs> so true. Okay. So expectations you. Oh, had- that's what I wanted to say. Yeah. That's what I wanted to say. So, um, that was like another piece of it is, especially if you're going into something new that you, you don't have any kind of data on yourself. Yeah. Like, you know, you're like, I don't know how I'm going to do at this because it's still pretty new to me. Like, I mean, I started, I went deep into like all the like tools. I was like listening to the podcast <laughs> yep. and all the things. And I was like, all right, I'm going to visualize me crushing this. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to give myself the expectation of, hey, you're going to, you're going to go out there and you're going to be the fucking best guest that Steve Harvey's ever <laughs> interviewed. But I did spend a lot of time, like even on the plane over there, like in the taxi to NBC studios, I would just close my eyes mm-hmm. and I would be like, all right, I'm in front of the studio. I say something roar of laughter. Like yeah. I was just like, I'm going to, you know, do everything they want me to do. I'm going to do it well. And I, I really took that visualization piece to heart, especially yeah. if you've never done something like having some type of using your imagination to create a world in which you do the thing. Yes. Pretty good. Yeah, I think totally. it was really helpful. It's a million percent like you're you're creating your experience before the experience. Like it just you get there and it's not shocking. Um, yeah, and if it, the thing that I always try to do is try to get on that stage beforehand if you can. Obviously, you probably couldn't get up there and like get your rehearsal or yeah. anything like that. But um, if you ever get the opportunity, anyone listening, like if you can be on stage, like some people are like, no, no, I don't need to rehearse. Get on the stage. Because <laughs> just like what you said when you were doing comedy, you're like, oh my God, I realized I couldn't see the audience. And you're like, I might've changed my visualization a little bit knowing I couldn't, you know, totally couldn't see the audience or it would have felt this way or this, these lights would have been so damn hot. Maybe I wouldn't have worn this makeup or this dress. Mm-hmm. Like, 100%. Just all of those things are super helpful. Um, yeah. So your wedding oh, was wow. supposed to be like, <laughs> what, a few weeks ago? Um, last weekend. Okay. Or when this airs, it'll be a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but yes, I... What did that feel like when your date passed? When my date came, I got really sad. I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. I actually, I'm somebody who's like not that emotional and like everybody knows that about me. And yeah. That's why I'm like a, you know, jerk online. Right. <laughs> it's just easier. Sassy, yeah, <laughs> sarcastic. Like I'm not like a, a huge emotional range. Um, but the day came, I mean, my fiance and I have been dating for seven years Um, we had been, you know, we got engaged well over a year ago. So there was a lot of buildup to our wedding. And obviously through 2020 for any bride in 2020 knows there's just, there's so much uncertainty Mm -hmm. all year long, wondering if we should postpone, wondering if we should go ahead with it. And we obviously decided to postpone, which I, I think turned out to be the right plan, but the day came and, you know, we were, we actually went to our venue because we, we vacationed there for, we were like, we already, you know, booked the place. We have all this time off. Yeah. Um, we might as well go and enjoy it. Even if like our wedding isn't happening. So I was there, I saw the way the sun, mm. you know, set was yeah. and the temperature was great. And 
And it made me, I was just like, oh, you know, it's such a bummer. Like I, I, the plan that I had for our lives, I'm kind of like watching go away. Like we were going to have this wedding. We were going to go honeymoon. We were going to start like trying to have a family. And I'm like, right. wow, everything is messed up because of this. Yeah. Um, and all of those like goals and dreams are kind of like, I have to put them away for now. So it was, it was a bummer. It was definitely yeah. like it happened and I wasn't expecting to get as emotional as I did, but I definitely did. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. that. And it's, it's interesting because everything that you just said was it's, it's real and it's not. And I know that sounds so weird and insensitive, but at the same time, it's like, I look at the things that I put on a date and like, I can start after this. Like you just made me actually think of my life. Like I'm always like, oh, I can start that family after this, or mm-hmm. I can start this. We have these expectations and these thoughts of like when things need to happen or what it is. And it's like, while yes, 1 million percent, like life could still be the same. And even if you have to wait on certain things, even though like, that's probably the most rude thing to ever say, <laughs> but it's kind of, it's kind of like just making me be like, damn, we kind of do that to ourselves in a lot of places. So I guess what is like, have you, it's a little new. I'm kind of just like, Hey, you know, that wound I'm pouring salt on it right (laughs) now. Um, have you like gotten like a lesson or any sort of like something that's made you guys stronger or brought you closer together because of it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm definitely, it's still very, very new. And actually, so on the day of our actual would be wedding, um, I was so annoyed at my fiance. I was so <laughs> mad at him <laughs> because like, I obviously, I think I was emotional and I yeah. needed to take it out on somebody. And I was like, you're looking pretty good over there. Um, <laughs> but also target. Yeah. But also he, I was like, you know, we're here and I wanted to do something special and you're being so difficult. I'm like, why don't we like, I was trying to like show him restaurants we could get reservations at. And he was yeah. like, oh, I'll call. But then he like never called. And I was just like, our day is here and you didn't do anything. Little did I know he had this whole elaborate <laughs> thing planned for me. So I was annoyed with him all day. And then like, I we, we get to like this, the backyard and it's basically set up as like a mini wedding. Like it was like a beautiful, like I saw it on Instagram. It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. And like, he had like a private chef cook us this like beautiful dinner mm-hmm. and had like a whole wine pairing. And like, it was at sunset, like around the time we would have been. It looked like a wedding. It was stunning. Honestly, it, it was like better than the wedding that we had planned. <laughs> You're like, you know what? Should we just get up and say our vows before this? I know. <laughs> Honestly, that's like the big thing is I'm looking back now and I'm like, I wish we just kind of like oh, got married and had that yeah. been our, had our been our wedding. Like maybe yeah. invited our, our parents, maybe flew out and like a couple friends. Yeah. But it could have been like 10 people. It could have been 15 people and we could have just done it and yeah. been done with it. Well, maybe you rethink how you do it, you know? <laughs> I know. Um, I mean, that's like the only thing is I think uh, through going through this experience, I'm like, I, I'm real, I'm re-realizing what it's all about. And it's like your marriage with like one other person and like yeah. who cares about the actual wedding. Um, I know. I'm like still kind of like, maybe I'm just. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I will tell you one thing that if I, it, but it's weird. I, it's like sometimes you need to do the thing to know to mark it off that that wasn't the thing. Except your wedding, you really usually only get one shot at doing a thing. Yeah. So for me, you know, we had a a little bit bigger wedding, not huge, but it was uh, three hundred people, and huh. I just a casual just little a, backyard. A small. <laughs> the thing is, I feel like I knew twenty of the people. And, you know, like feel like I really knew them. Like I knew of a lot of people and it was, it's just a lot of like family you don't really see or acquaintances and things like that. And, and, um, I cried at my wedding because I didn't see my husband the first two hours because he was 
everybody was pulling him away and people were pulling me away. Oh, wow. And so I started like bawling two hours in because I said, I still, I got married. I said, I do. And literally him and I got separated for two hours after. So I was like, that's crazy. I grabbed a couple of family members and I said, you need to make sure him and I do not separate for the rest of the night. Like no matter who comes up and because so many people are like, you, what happens is they're like, you have to meet this person and this person. You have to go around to each table and yeah. do these niceties. Yeah. Okay, well, your wedding's only four hours long, okay? Yeah. Like, so you, it, if I could go back and do anything, I would have spent the whole time with him. Mm-hmm. I actually got that advice from one of my friends who went through this. She's like, literally like grip your hands together and do yeah. not get pulled away. Like yeah. you have to like go through the whole thing together because like it, it happens and you don't, yeah. I, I never would have thought. You don't even, you're, you're trying to be cordial and everybody wants to see you, meet you maybe from the other side or, you know, if they don't know you yet or tell you how beautiful it was or give you marital advice and you're just like, shut up, Susan. I want to see my husband. Like, and I need a glass of champagne yeah, right now. And trying this, to get drunk. I paid so much for this party <laughs> yeah. and I can't enjoy it. I'm listening to you. God, it's horrible. So can't wait. <laughs> yeah. So with that said, could you have a big wedding? Yes. But like literally have guardians and like set boundaries or I would announce it. Like if I was doing it again, I'd be like, Hey, this is our day. We're going to spend the day together. I love you. Thanks for coming to the party. Yeah. You know, don't give me a gift if you feel like I have to do something in exchange. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. But also maybe still give me the gift. <laughs> also money is awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> here's my Venmo handle. Um, no, hundred percent. I will say like the good, the one of the, the, you know, silver linings to come out of COVID. And I feel like I've talked to a lot of other brides who have had their wedding day affected. Um, but I feel like there is a lot less expectation around weddings now. Like we're yeah. even going back and we're changing the wedding we had originally planned. Um, and making it just like way more casual. Like we oh, still, awesome. we, we want our people to be there. We yeah. want to do the thing, but we're going to like make it a lot easier on ourselves. Yes. Oh my God. Take the stress out of the mix. Yeah. At least try. Of, yeah. It, I mean, of course there's going to be random stress in there, but I think that's a huge thing that people are seeing is like, wow, we really used to stress ourselves out a lot. Even just trying to meet people for coffee across town. Yeah. Like maybe I won't do that. Like maybe I'll just Zoom that person that I don't know very well, you know? It's, yeah. It's crazy. So, okay. So your podcast is relaunching. Yay. In September. Yes. What is your main things? Like who is it for? What are your main things that you like love to talk about? Yeah. So the whole the whole thing with the podcast and and why I wanted to do this is because I've been I've been making jokes on the internet for almost ten years. Yeah. And and really like what's fun for me is I can go back at like the content I put up when I was 22, 23, 24. Mm-hmm. And I can read a tweet I put up and I know exactly who that Sarah was. Yeah. I'm like, I can put myself back there. I know what she was. And I, and now looking at that, I'm like, wow, I wish I could have told her this. Yeah. I wish, you know, like I saw the, the big kid problem that she was joking about. I'm like, if only she knew X, Y, Z. So I wanted to create the podcast for like my younger self mm-hmm. about all the big kid problems that I've been through. And not only talk about them, not only give like relatable actual stories about like somebody who's been through the actual big kid problem, but then bring in experts, bring in people who know what the hell they're talking about and like Mm -hmm. actually give like tools and resources to that person who's going through it on how to, you know, get through it. Yeah. So that's like the whole thing. And so every episode I take like a big kid problem and we break it down. We tell some stories, we bring in an expert. 
And I, it's so much fun. It's been such, it's been such a ride and it was a lot, it's a lot more work than I ever, ever thought. (laughs) I mean, you know, you, you've been doing this for longer than I have, Uh, but it's really, really rewarding because I've always loved telling the jokes, but now that I'm actually like going in a little bit deeper and, and like sharing some of the stories behind these, these jokes and, and really getting into it, it's just been so much fun. So I'm really excited to bring the show back. I've been working on it. Um, on this season for months, yeah, interviewing, doing lots of uh, interviews, um, you know, on Zoom, and I mean, ugh, I can't wait yep. till till things are back to normal. But it's, it's been a blast. I know, but well, that's going to be huge. That'll give us something to look forward to. Yeah, and um, you're going to be on. I love our episode. Oh, I can't wait! I'm I so know. excited. Also, I'll definitely link that one up and share that one when that comes out. Um, and where can we find you and follow you and all of the things? Yeah, so I'm Big Kid Problems on every social channel: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. If you uh, if you're so <laughs> still inclined. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the podcast is the Big Kid Problems podcast. So come hang out. Yes, you guys. And it's huge because you're doing kind of a little like relaunch for your new season. So also, if you want to give her a huge uh, wedding gift, a (laughs) pre-wedding gift, go rate, review, and subscribe and let us know what your biggest takeaway was from this podcast. Make sure you tag her at Big Kid Problems and let us know what your biggest takeaway was. So you guys, if you love this episode as much as I did, make sure you share it with a friend. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye, everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought and honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. Did you know that I have a community text number for real? My phone number is 310-496-8363. This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday, I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back and I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone 
phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community and it's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about, or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our life. It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthdate.com slash Lori. Hey, do you know what the big secret is this year? And it shouldn't be a secret because this should be your biggest focus. It is building your community. I am always working on building and nurturing my community and everyone is talking about the power of community without an online community you just cannot grow organically or create a real movement which is what i know that we're all after and you can build trust or monetize your audience when you get community right 
Not only does your audience grow faster, but so do your sales. But where's everybody going to be managing their communities these days? And a lot of online entrepreneurs and thought leaders are turning to circle.so. Circle is an all-in-one community platform. It lets you host content and create discussions, live streams, group chats, and memberships all under your own brand. And what's so cool about Circle.so is that you don't even need a website or Facebook group. Instead, Circle lets you build your own community site where you can host content and manage your members. You can even create locked and unlocked content spaces, groups, and classes. How freaking cool is that? You can put your content behind a paywall too, and you can charge different amounts of money for different spaces on your community site. Circle.so is famously easy to use, and it has a free 14-day trial for you, so you can go check it out, see if you like it, see if you love all the options. Just go to circle.so. Go check it out right now, you guys. Imagine being able to manage your community, start group chats and live classes, and accept payments all in one place. Kind of mind-blowing since this is usually spread all over the place. You have to log into so many different things. If this is the year to capture, organize, and monetize your community, head over to circle.so. You can get a free trial and start building your online community right now. Just go to circle.so. You guys, you get the 14-day free trial. So just go and see if it's for you. It's going to streamline everything and make your life so much easier. It's so freaking cool.